the digital delight of jazz and what's more on WFDU HD2, TNEC. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun. Let us march on till victory is won. What's going on? What's happening? What it is, blues people? Yet again, once again, thank you, God. It is time for your weekly dose of blues music, heritage, history, and traditions where you going to learn them blues this evening. This is Jack Dapper Blues Radio on WFDU HD2. Every Wednesday evening, we take over the air streams, the broadcast streams, the live streams with netting, but blues, 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 and more blues. This evening, I have a very special guest. I always have special guests. This evening, I have a really special guest, and her story is not only heartfelt, but it's the essence of what Jack Dapper Blues Radio and Jack Dapper Blues Heritage Preservation Foundation stands for. Today, we are honored and blessed to have as a guest Miss Mary Hurt Wright, the granddaughter of Mississippi John Hurt. Mary, how are you? I'm great. How about yourself? I'm groovy. I'm excited. You you know, I, I had the opportunity to speak to you off air and the things you shared with me. I'm extremely excited because this needs to be known. This really needs to be known. So now, uh, forgive me for being so eager and just jumping right into it. But as I said, I'm extremely excited. <laughs> now, you are the granddaughter of Mississippi John Hurt, a blues musician that the folk community loves to try to abduct and keep him over there, correct? (laughs) I am. I would like you to go into, later on I'm going to ask you, how was it growing up with this gentleman, this, this legacy of our heritage? But before we go into that part of your personal journey. What I would like to discuss first is because you have a lot of you have a, a few programs that are very very um, 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 important to our diaspora, our traditions, and in, in our history and, and the preservation of it. And I would like you to discuss that moment first, the, the moment with your class when you saw some information that triggered you to make a move. Do you mind doing that, please? Not at all. Um, 
Uh, it's actually really quite embarrassing, you know. Um, it, it it took that experience to know the impact that my granddad or Daddy John had on the music world as a whole. Uh, as you know, I, as I discussed with you prior, I work in the inner city of Chicago, and it's, it, is a, it is always my, my aspiration to give back, and coming from an impoverished area in the heart of Mississippi, I uh, always had a zeal to get to work um, in, in an area much like myself, um, and, and taking my students um, downtown Chicago, um, 99% of my students had never uh, been outside of their neighborhood, and um, I took them to the House of Blues, and um, I'm embarrassed to say is that um, having been surrounded by music all my life, I didn't, um, I didn't really, um, I, I guess if it's a part of your life, it, it, it's just, that's the way it, it, it's, it's supposed to be. You know, music was not something that I, um, of me at all. I mean, I, I was more driven toward education more than, than, than music. Right. And when I took my kids, to um, this program at the House of Blues, I had an opportunity to just to explore um, the the venue there. And when I saw a mirror on my granddad, and I read the information on it, it was so absolutely incorrect. And I, I, I just felt like, gee, that's not right, and that's 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 incorrect, and not understanding or, or having any concept that. Uh, this was a chain, and I, I, I asked to speak to the manager. You know, I wanted it corrected immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It was. And uh, it was embarrassing now that um, that the manager had, you know, they he knew of my granddad, but it's like, well, uh, I'm a, this is a chain. I mean, if there's any correction need to be done, uh, we can't do it. And uh, having been inspired by so many um, literates in my life, uh, Toni Morrison for one, mm. and I thought about something that I read about her uh, as a little girl, and she said, if there's something, um, if there's a book you haven't read, and and it, if it's a book that you want to read and, and it hasn't been, then, then you must write it. Mm. So I went off on this journey to try to correct whatever I possibly could um, about my grandfather, and much of it was uh, incorrect. And for the last two, almost two and a half decades, that has been the driving force behind um, what I've been doing to try to preserve um, not just so much um, the history of Daddy John, but other African Americans as well, who we knew so little about. Uh, having been born and raised in Mississippi, I never had a textbook that I saw a black face in ever. Mm. And um, and I used um, um, Daddy John as as a uh, an avenue to do that. And and in much of my discovery and uh, researching the things that Daddy John did. And, and the people that that that, um, um, that followed him his life during his musical uh, career right. um, has 
not only was it just something that I had to do to correct the, the, the information that I read, but I did not realize the impact that it had on me as as a, as, as an African American born and raised in, in in Mississippi. Well, you know what? Let's let's talk about that because you know I I, I really like. A specific story that you share with me, but before we get into that, let's talk about that because you mentioned it a couple of times that you weren't aware of the impact that your granddad had on the world as an African American and how that history is extremely important. What what was it like growing up, and how 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 was it prior to you realizing that growing up with him? Oh, wow. Um, gosh. Um, growing up um, in Mississippi, I, and, and I come from a very large family. My dad, uh, uh, Daddy John, had two kids, and uh, my my aunt, uh, to whom uh, was killed before I was born, and then my dad, and my father uh, was a sharecropper. And I saw the organs, um, the weight of what racism does. Mm. And um, when my father passed away, I was eight and a half. And I went to school in Monty, Mississippi. And there were a few schools around us, but I wasn't allowed to go there. Mm. And I don't know when I um, um, understood that there was something very different about life and the difference between uh, black people and and white people. I um, knew that I did not want to be a sharecropper. And um, one of the things that altered my life tremendously, and I I guess I I, I must have been five or six, and it was Christmas Eve. Right. And um, as a sharecropper, you only got paid once a year. And I remember very vividly, my my father pays pacing back and forth on the porch, waiting for this man to come and give him his annual check so he could go Christmas shopping for us. And um, the stores closed very early there. And I, I guess I, I, I would say it got to be probably two o'clock. And my dad began to be very nervous about it, and he was just pacing back and forth, back and forth. I knew... Something was wrong, but I, I didn't know quite what. Right. And I heard, and um, and I've always been very inquisitive. Know this, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I remember my dad turning to my mother and saying, "You know, if Mister Glazier doesn't come soon, we're not going to be able to get our children anything for Christmas." Mm. And. Um, my mom, being a very patient lady, she said to my dad, oh, and she called my father, doll. She said, doll, it's going to be okay. And I, 
I guess it must have been about 15 to 20 minutes later, and, and we lived down this dirt road. And I remember in this furrow of dust coming, and that indicated that that must was uh, a vehicle coming. Mm. And my father stood very still, like a soldier. He stood there. And Mr. Glacier, he pulled up, and he took out this um, whole... Um, this binder, and my father went up to the truck, and he spoke very casually to my dad, and my dad, always the gentleman that he was, and he said, um, it's been a tough year, right? He goes, yeah, yes, sir, it's been a really tough year, and everybody had been ill. I don't know, was some kind of fever in the land, but it was the first time that all of us had to actually go to a doctor, mm. and... Um, he began to read all of these things to my father. And and my dad wasn't a tall man. Uh, anyway, but I, the longer he read it, just, it, to me, it seemed like my father would just shrink. Wow. And um, when um, Mr. Glazier handed my father the truck, the, I'm sorry, the check, he stood in the road to me like forever. Wow. And the dust had long settled. And before he turned, and, and my mom, being a polite lady, she was, she didn't say anything. She waited for my father to turn around. And when my dad turned around, as the dust had settled on his face, I could see the tears that had ran down his face. Oh, my goodness. And that, oh, God. That altered my life forever, forever. I, I just, I, I felt so unworthy. It just like somebody, it was like being in a dark, dark room. And, and, and you know, you, you're in this in this place that it's all lit up across Christmas was the time of year that, I mean, no matter what was going on, it, I mean, it was the day you look forward to. You, 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 you got that one pair of shoes, you got that one toy, you nobody was working. It was just a, a day of prayer, and just everybody was just happy. Right. And when my dad turned around, and I saw those tears when the dust had fell on his face. Oh my God! It's like somebody just turned the light off in my life. Oh my goodness. And and Christmas was not the same at all anymore. I remember earlier in the summer. I was I had a Sears catalog, and I saw the first black doll that I ever seen in my life. And I told my mom, I said, Mom, I want this doll. I, I want her. And my mom didn't say anything. But all of a sudden, when my dad turned around, and, and my dad got in the car, and they drove away. And that Christmas morning, I couldn't bring myself to get uh, it, it's. It come into the room where everybody was. Right. And my father, all of us, had, they used to put our, our candy and our toy in, a, in an individual paper bag. And my bag was sitting on the mantel. Well, and everybody had gotten their bag except me. Mm. And my dad asked my mom, where was I? And she called. She called for me. And, and I came in, he was sitting in one because it was, that was one of the joy for him. He would just watch the expression on the kid's face as they 
uh, was very excited about what they got. So. Absolutely. So, and my dad was sitting in the window, and he watched me as I went to my bag. And I picked up my bag, and in my bag was the most beautiful doll mm. that I ever seen. She had big brown curls. She had soft brown eyes. And she was absolutely beautiful. And then I remembered the, <clears throat> the tears on my father's face. And I stuffed that doll back in the bag. And I could see my dad flinch. And he looked at me and I took her out again, and I carefully straightened her dress and fixed her hair. And I took her very carefully and laid her on my dad's lap. Mm. And I told my daddy, I said, Daddy, I, I don't want this doll. I don't like her. Can you take her back and get your money back? My father got so angry. Mm. And he just took me up. He shook me, and he said, you little ungrateful little girl. Hmm. And I, my dad died before I could ever tell him I fully understood. Wow. Well. doll, nor could he afford her. I hated dolls. I, I, I would not. I never wanted another doll in my life. I don't even know what happened to that doll, but it just, it, it altered me so much. And it left this hole, this just so, woof. It, it, wow. It's a to describe it, but it's, I wanted to fix it so much. I understand. I couldn't fix it. Wow. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. That's okay because we, we, this is real, and, and the people have to hear this because, you know, somebody told, I, I was in a discussion the other day about the blues and a gentleman, a musician, I'm assuming he's a musician, and a white musician, which is, you know, that's neither him. Actually, for this conversation, it is important. He, he, he says to me, everybody knows the blues came from black people and that where it started, you know, in, in, in sharecropping and on the slave plantation. But in 2017, it's not black anymore. No. And, and pain is colorless. Well, I, I beg to differ. I think anybody can play the music. I'm not disputing that. But your story, believe it or not, confirms that it's culture and tradition, then it's music. Because you are a direct descendant of that tradition. And you being vulnerable and sharing this story with us from living with a, a real sharecropper, that has molded your traditions of today. So we, our traditions are still well and alive. Now, with that being said, please, if you don't mind, can you can you share that moment you realized how important your granddaddy was 
and as you share that, talk to us about when you went to visit his home that day, when your 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 projects and programs and organizations was birthed. Holy, oh, gosh. Um, I, 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 I'm not overly pious, but I do know there's a God and destiny is, is, is a God. The plan is for your life and so far beyond me. I'm the 10th of 14. Wow. And, uh, I, I come from a very talented family. All of my siblings can sing and dance. I mean, really well for me. <laughs> Are you serious? I'm, I'm very serious. I mean, I was invited to one dance, and word got around, don't invite Mary. Don't invite Mary. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I just, um, I, I, I was, um, I, and, I, and I didn't really uh, realize it, but, you know, um, I was a very bitter very bitter person, very, very, and I didn't know why. I, I, I just knew it, it was, um, I couldn't understand what it was, but I knew something just was not right. Mm. And and I didn't understand that John either. I didn't understand him. This guy never raised his voice. And and I always try to figure him out. I was always standing. What is with you, dude? I mean, I <laughs> now who are we talking about right now? Are we talking about your grandfather? Um, yeah, I, we call him Daddy John. Okay. And Daddy John, I mean, he was always just. I mean, he didn't say much, but when he spoke, you listened. He he didn't say very much, and um, and he never. I, I promise. Never, I never ever ever heard him say a racist voice at all. Mm. At all. I mean, uh, he's, I never heard him say a foul word ever. Mm. Not ever. I used to think it was in his hat because I never saw him without his hat. <laughs> <laughs> never. I mean, it's got to be something beyond this. I mean, because I don't know how you can see this kind of stuff. And still smile anyway. Mm. I, I I just didn't understand it. I didn't. And um, my paternal grandfather, my mom's father, had uh, one brother. And for um, I was graduating high school, and he always after uh, so my father passed away. He always adopted me as his as his daughter. He didn't have any kids, and uh, he didn't adopt. But he always considered me. He called me his his, his his little girl. And when my when my uncle got older, um, he wanted to leave me his property. And I'm like, no, uncle, I want no part of Mississippi at all. Mm. Wow. I hate this place. I don't want to come back here again. And, um, but as God had other plans, truly, um, but I was one bitter sister. I really, really was. I had, um, when they first integrated schools, um, they didn't allow us to go to the white schools. The teachers had to come to us. 
And I had this white teacher, his name was Mr. Grabowski. And Mr. Grabowski was a history buff. And, um, and I was determined not to do anything in, in Mr. Grabowski's class. As a matter of fact, I was determined not to do anything for any white person alive. You, wow. You could teach me anything. No, I, I say wow because I don't think people understand the degree of of turmoil that's been passed down it was not just passed down but based on what you you just shared with us the things you've witnessed you know it, it's 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 really deep rooted and and the music and the history and the heritage all come together in that statement because that's that's really serious. That means what you witnessed was that traumatic and and horrible. Does does that make sense? It does. It does. Okay, please finish the story. I'm sorry for interrupting. No problem. Uh, and but this tall, lanky white guy, he was a history buff. As a matter of fact, he was he taught me black history. Wow. About Nat Turner. He even talked talk to me about my grandfather. He showed me articles about my grandfather. And um, uh, I went to school in one of the most racist towns that it was. I mean, I don't know what you've heard of Emmett Till, but I went to school in Monty, Mississippi. Wow. Wilkes Elementary School. And um, he changed my life, really. He taught me to appreciate literature. He taught me to appreciate poetry and uh, to to see the the greatness of our our, our people. And um, we had been singing this song that um, oh God, I don't even know. But when I was eighth grade, he taught us this song, Nina Simone, uh, and um, to be young, gifted, and black. Mm. And helped me tremendously but it you know it was um it wasn't the the elixir but it was a starting point you know what it taught me i can do whatever i uh, i can do anything can, can i ask you a question sure I, I don't mean to deter from the story but what you're sharing reveals so much about uh, uh, the black experience that so mo- so many people don't get to hear right so many black people they don't talk about it and if they do it's not to where they feel it comes across angry you don't sound angry and so a lot of people outside of our uh ethnicity usually don't get to hear this like this so i want to applaud you and thank you for that but, but I have to ask you a question based on what you just expressed, and it's a two-part question. First question is: Did you feel during this time you was angry, and you didn't want anything from white people or do anything from them? Were you upset because you were black? Is one, is like the 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 why me syndrome, and two, was it how was the was it ironic for you? that this white history teacher was giving you tools to encourage you in your blackness. 
that you don't know what has ever asked that question my whole life is very difficult. All I know is that I had a storm within me, and I didn't know how to fix it. Mm. It was brewing, you know. And and when my mom and when my father passed away, that 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 funnel just increased because here my mom was with 14 children, mm. 14. My brother was nine months. My youngest sister was one and a half. And, uh, and we're stair steps, okay? I'm, I, I'm, I'm the 10th, okay? Wow. And, I, you know, I, I, I don't, uh, my siblings, we talk about things that happened to us. And uh, but we never um, we, we've never really uh, had a uh, um, just an in-depth discussion about what was going on in their hearts and minds at that time. But I, I just I, I just saw something um, um, that was just so wrong and so very very wrong, and I didn't see an escape from it. Okay. When my father passed away, all of my older siblings. I had to drop out of school, and we did too because we didn't have clothes. We couldn't go to school. Mm. And um, the turning point for me uh, was um, I I I had to be nine when I went to school. My father passed away in August. I didn't get to go to school until the last of November. And when I went to school. That day, I, I, I didn't have a coat. I just wanted to go to school. I just wanted to go. And, and there was no cotton to pick. And so the day there was no cotton to pick or it rained, we could go to school. Wow. And I, I mean, I, I wasn't forced to do that, but I just didn't have anything to wear. Uh, or, um, and so that day I went to school. I don't know what that teacher was talking about. I don't know. But when, when I, our, our bus had broken down, so I was late to class probably like an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and whatever that teacher was talking about, I, I, I happened to come in at the, at the right time to be an example of whatever it is she was talking about. And when I, uh, she, she didn't stop talking. She, in, she gestured to me to sit in the back. And I sit in the back seat, and uh, the teacher said, that's what I mean. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And that teacher came up to me, and she put her her finger on my nose, and she said to me, Mary Frances, you will never be nothing. Wow. And I turned my head away because I, 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 that wasn't going to be me. I turned my head to the wall, and I knew it was a disrespectful thing to do. But I did not want that. <coughs> Excuse me. Absolutely not. No, no, you're not talking to me. And I didn't go to school anymore for months and months. But I used to read the salt box every single day because we didn't have any books. Wow. And it pours. When it rained, it pours. And one day, my mama brought home a, a, a book that she had gotten from one of the ladies that she was working for. She had thrown it in the garbage. And we used to read that book every single night. 
to each other and take turns reading it every night. Every night. It was an hour from the story, like it was yesterday. It was about the giant and the, and the three pancakes. Right. And we would read it as if we had never heard the story before. Every single day. But I, the thing that, that stood out in my mind is that I knew life had to be better than this. It had to be. It had to be. Mm. So now, with, with, with that being said, geez, very intense. With, 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 with such a beginning, and, and all these experiences at such a tender age, is, is this why it was hard to you, hard for you to figure out the smile that your granddaddy always wore, considering he was an adult at this time, and if you, what you were experiencing as a child was bad, what he experienced was that much worse. So is this why you couldn't figure out that smile he, and, and that gentleness he always had? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Did it make you resent him in a way growing up? I didn't. I didn't resent him. I wanted to understand. Okay. I wanted to understand. I, I, I just, I wanted him to be able to, you know, to tell me. I mean, how can you? Don't you see? I mean, there here, my mom is babysitting somebody, and these. And uh, she's babysitting someone, kids, while they're throwing rocks at our bus. Wow. I didn't, I, I didn't understand that. Wow. So at what point did, did that question change to, wow, his, his perseverance changed or helped change the views of so many people? Ah, uh, it, it was definitely in my adult life, okay, because I, I mean, I, I, I tell you, I, I, I was not, um, you know, as going to college and, and, and all, I mean, I just wasn't, I wasn't feeling that, you know, I just, I just wasn't, I, I really, um, my, the change of my life, uh, came from, um, an experience. Uh, uh, an experience far beyond anything that I would have ever um, um, say, because it definitely was not something that it was not my ambition to be. Okay. Believe me when I tell you, Mississippi was not a place that I wanted to ever be. My mom lived there, and I would go there to visit. But and and oddly enough, uh, all of all of my siblings. I mean, the only thing that was left of Avalon. Was the church, the church that everybody, all the African Americans visited, which was one time, it was the church and the school where Daddy John went, and my father and my mom and everybody else that grew that was uh, in and around Avalon uh, attended, and there was a store, and um, and and the, the cabin that my granddad lived in. And when my grandfather moved away uh, in 1963, uh, 63, 63, 62, that house was abandoned, and 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 and, and, and the, 
It belonged to a, a, a farmer there that my grandfather worked for for as long as I can remember, Mr. Perkins. Mm. He would feed his cows, and, and eventually once the dead John moved away, he filled that his house with hay, in which, and, it, um, and he passed away, and, and, and eventually all the houses were torn down, and, and, the, and eventually the store burned. And the only thing left of Avalon, as I knew it, was that cabin, and in the, in the, the African American church that was uh, sitting in the field for ever. Wow. And um, and I guess the latter part of um, 1995, um, I, I would always, I mean, I was drawn to that place uh, where Daddy John lived. And I had a thousand pictures, and, and all of my siblings did the same thing. We just go there and just take pictures of it. It was it was growing up with weeds and stuff, so we just go there, just take pictures of it. I don't know why. And uh, the latter part of 1995, I started having uh, visions of that place. I mean, dreams, really, actually, just just dreams about it every single night. And I just couldn't understand it. I'm like, dang, why? What? What is it? And one day I told my husband, I said, you know, I'm going to Mississippi. And I and I didn't tell him why, nor did I tell, uh, call any of my siblings or my mom to let her know I was going to be in town because I felt ridiculous. And I got there, and I walked around in the yard, and um, and uh, while I was walking around taking pictures, a, um, a vehicle drove up behind me. And I, I didn't particularly pay any attention because that has always been all, all of my childhood. People are always looking for Daddy John's house where he used to live. Wow. Right. So it was nothing unusual about that. And um, this particular Saturday morning, uh, I was just, I had been there probably about an hour, just really, really PO'd with myself for being so stupid because I'm like, why the heck am I here? Wow. I- so you were going through a lot of inner turmoil. I, I, I mean, I mean, it was oh, <laughs> I, 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 it was a battle. It was just a battle, and I didn't know. Um, I, I didn't have the ammunition to even fire it. I didn't. I, I just didn't know. Hmm. I, I was miserable. Okay, and I, and it was just so stupid. I couldn't share with anybody. You know, I, it, I just and. Um, and I remember so I've been I was so exasperated. I'm like, oh my God, why am I here? And I said aloud, God, I wish I knew who owned this place. I wish I knew. And the voice behind me said, Why? And I wasn't talking to him, so I got very agitated. <laughs> and I didn't say that to him. I didn't turn around or anything. I said, I'm sorry, sir. I was talking to myself. And then he got very uh, aggressive with me, not in, in, a, in, a, in a kind way. Right. He said, yeah, I, I, no, no, I'm serious. Why? Why would you want to know that? I said, I don't know. He said, if you knew who owned it, what would you do? I said, just from, from nowhere. I said, I wouldn't make it a museum. Mm. And he said... It's yours. 
And I turned around and I go, excuse me? He said, it's yours. I own it and it's yours. Wow. Now, let me ask you, did he know your relation to Mississippi John Hurt when when you guys were having this conversation? No, no. I, when I, I turned to him and I asked him, I go, do you know me? He goes, no. I said, did you know Daddy John? He goes, no. He said, I own all of this land around here. I own 500 acres. And I, I sold it all over this place because God told me to save it for you. Wow. He told me it belongs to the family. Wow. And I, I said, sir, how, how much do you want for it? And he told me, he said, Five thousand dollars. Five thousand dollars is like a million dollars to me. <laughs> <laughs> to most of us. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially me being a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> and and I said, okay, okay. Um, and and I and I and I I said, where, where, where can where can I bring you a check? Like I had a check, right? <laughs> So he told me where um, where his his his, um, his venue was. He had a store in this little town called Carrollton, which is actually the little town where my granddad, um, my mom's father, always did business at this little bank. And I knew the history of of um, my maternal uh, grandparents, how he acquired the land that we had. Right. And, and uh, I took the train uh, downtown. Um, to Mississippi, so I still had uh, my jeans and stuff. I mean, I, I, I look like I should not have been going to the bank, really. <laughs> <laughs> so I get in my truck and I drive to this little town. And I ask to speak to the president. And so here's this, this, this tall black lady walk in. And it's like, and I'm, I'm like, and I, I really totally forgot how I was dressed, okay? <laughs> and. <laughs> And she looked at me. I said, I, I would like to speak to the president of the bank. And she said, um, you want to speak to Mr. Page? <laughs> he the president? She goes, yes, ma'am, he is. And I don't think. And so he happened to be passing by. And he goes, he goes, come on in. I must have amused him or something. I don't know. <laughs> he sat down and on his at, at his desk, and he put his hand behind his head, and he's, rock, he's rocking back and forth. He goes, what do you need to speak to me for? I said, you know what? All I need is $5,000. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me with such interest. He's like, oh, my goodness, I know I get him in here, but not as crazy as this. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't ask my name or anything. And he just said, um, what are you going to do with $5,000? I said, sir, you know what? I really don't know. But all I know is I need to buy back a piece of myself. Mm. There's an old house on Teoc Road, and it's been filled with hay and wasps and probably some snakes, too, for the last four decades. Wow. And he said, you mean that old hurt house? I go, yes. He said, well, why would you want that? I said, you know, I really don't know. 
But my granddaddy used to live there a long time ago. Mm. And he said, you mean John Hurd? And he had this, and he, and he, and he smiled. I knew John. He used to play for my mom. Wow. And he said, um, you come back tomorrow and I have a check for you. That man never asked me my name. And then he go, oh, excuse me. He said, what's your name? <laughs> and I got back there that, that next day. That man, had, I didn't have to fill out an application, nothing. He didn't ask for a credit brush or not anything. I took that check <clears throat> to the man whose who store was not far from the bank. And he met me at the door, and he said to me, I'm sorry, Mayor Francis. I can't sell you that house because the local residents said if they sell it to, to you, they'll burn it down. What? Already so many people come here, and they disturb them because they, they, they had these big brick mansions there now. And the only thing that was the eyesore there was, was Daddy John's house. Wow. And I was heartbroken. And he said to me, um, if you move it, I'll give it to you. Move it? Are you serious? I mean, this house was built in the 1800s. I mean, move, move this house? Are you kidding me? Wow. And I was crushed. I was absolutely crushed. And I drove down to my mom's house. And when I got there, my mom uh, was... Uh, uh, was another room, and I just answered the phone just um, in the instinct. And I must have answered in a very rude way. And uh, the person <laughs> asked, well, which one of the girls is this? And I told her who I was. And and somehow I, I, was te- I began telling her the story about this house and this and that. And she said, you know, I, used to, I know somebody that moved houses. And I said, this isn't a mobile home. This is a very old house. She said, I know. And uh, she, she called me back in a few minutes, and she gave me the number. And I called the number, and I uh, explained to the person uh, that I wanted to have this house moved. And I told him, you know, how old it was. And he said, yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do. And he, and I said, well, how much is it going to cost me? And he said to me, and, and I guess he recognized that I was black. I don't know. <laughs> he, said, he said, more than you can afford. Wow. I said, how much? It's going to cost you $5,000. And I start to laugh at this guy. <laughs> and he got very upset with me. He said, look, we don't have time to play on the phone. I said, sir, this is a story beyond anything. That's fine. And long story short, he moved the house. And as I was moving the house, there were people from all over the county, followed that house all the way to where it is right today. Wow. And it, and it is just, and the hole that was so, so very deep, so uh, misunderstanding to me, uh, has been filled by the countless people from all over the world in different languages that have um, come to that place. And um, it has been such a wonderful experience. Such a wonderful experience. And I didn't, um, 
um, Daddy John uh, understood. I, I I don't know how, but he understood that um, that um, human life and and, and people it, it 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 goes far deeper than the melanin in one skin. Mm. Understood the the the. The things that there's only, and I've and I've come to understand it, and I and 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 because of Daddy John, and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful because there is only one race, and that's the human race. Mm. Music is the elixir. It is that thing that is colorless, and to appreciate it, to understand it, be it blues or whatever it is, or whatever genre that you listen to. There is that one connection to all human life, because it certainly altered my life. Mm. That I stand before every day, and I try to make them understand the importance of uh, of music and what it does, because it, it's um, it. It is. Um, the one thing I can truly say is life altering. It's life altering, and if you appreciate it, um, uh, blues or whatever it is, people speak universally in, in, in various ways. It's via through the blues or however you look at it. And um, who puts a, pay, uh, a face on pain? Pain is pain, whatever you go through. And if uh, music can make you uh, um, transcend that, oh, God, that's a blessing. It is truly a blessing. Mm. Uh, this is deep. I, I don't even know what to say. That was just the entire, everything you shared was, was a heartfelt. And, and pure sincerity. I, I don't even know. I, it was, that was just beautiful. I, what I want to ask you, because we're running short on time, be, and I have to ask you back for part two, because there's so much more to not just the story, but that you've done with the John Hurt legacy that we haven't gotten to discuss yet. And that's okay because what we discussed was the foundation of why you are doing what you're doing. And I think the people need to know that first, and then we can come back and discuss the programs and projects you've implemented. Now, with that being said, I, I have a question. Sure. And this, this is, I guess, it's a you, your, your, your parents, your grandfather, the kids that you teach in the black communities, black and brown for that matter. Do you think that there is a lot of people, a lot of black people, a lot of brown people walking around with PTSD based on these racist experiences? If they knew how great they were and the contribution people have made for them, oh, God, yes. 
Oh God, yeah. And, and the words of, of of Maya Angelou, and I'm not just talking about the black people. Do you do you know who you are? Who you really are? That is a profound question, and I don't really believe people who, who um, commit crimes and they do such atrocities and they harm other people. Do you know who you are? Who you really are? Mm. Know you can be whatever you want to be. So this is just this is this is way deeper than what's being portrayed on surface. Is what it sounds like you're expressing. Oh. See, I, I, here's the thing, and. As as you and I, because we're live right now, and I know not just you, but the audience is hearing these chirps and stuff. People are reaching out and sending messages to me based on what Mrs. Mary is, is saying, right? I, I mean, just outside of the fact that you are of the lineage of a legacy, you've made an extremely important legacy that it needs to be highlighted right now. It has to be celebrated. You, you, you went from, think about this, you, you, you were not able to attend school, and now you are not only just a teacher, but you're, you're, you're molding the next generation of critical thinkers. That is a legacy right there. And I'm sure, as you call him, Daddy John would be extremely proud. Now, I have, I, I don't think we can get that last question in because I, I, I need, I, I know that the, the answer, would, uh, we, we can't get into to this. I, I need to have you come back for part two. Would that be possible? Sure, if you would like me to, I would I would love you to you have to because there's so much more ground to cover right we we didn't get to speak about the the the, the reason why you were not into music besides the fact that you shared with us you didn't think you can dance but why you gravitated to education because that's another thing that we have to discuss see now again th- my platform is not divisive and my platform isn't anything of a negative connotation, but it is in the celebration of African-American history and for our people to understand that our contributions is really important. And there's a lot of people I've met throughout my life, even prior to getting to where I am now with this platform, that hate Mississippi, hate Louisiana. And we we have to just, we have to get into that. We have to get into what you're doing with the, the the museum. We have to get into what you're doing with the church. We have to get into what you the the the, the scholastic program that you're doing for the inner city kids. So I, I need you to come back because those are real big projects that are extremely necessary in this day and age. Can 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 I can I get you back to discuss this? Oh, absolutely. But just, may I just say this? I mean, because it's imperative that I say this. I, I, I think um, my um, my drive was my self hatred of me. Ooh. 
and understand me. You can't love anybody or appreciate anything or anyone until you appreciate you. And that's, as an African-American, I see it daily. You, you can't. How can I love my love someone that I can't even love myself when I don't even understand me? And that's the quest. That was the sad me. Mm. Mm. That I, wow. I hope you all are listening. Besides taking notes, besides learning them blues, you learning, re, well, the blues is real life, but you learning something and you're receiving something, not like you're receiving something that's extremely real. That sur- sur- surpasses, transcends a lot of the discussions that we've been seeing. And I, I want, I really appreciate you sharing that and coming on this platform and having this discussion. Now, I, I thank you. Thank you. I'm going to reach out to you off air when I get off the air. It might be too late this evening, tomorrow, so we can schedule the part two of this, this, this interview because what, what, oh my goodness, I, I have to thank you. And and I'm getting you hear the chirps. I, I, people are are reaching out to me, thanking you, and and are truly touched by your words. Well, thank you so very much for having me. You're very welcome. I, I'll I will definitely reach out to you tomorrow, and you have a blessed evening. You as well, and God bless. God bless, folks. This is what Jack Dapper Blues is all about. What we experienced here should help. Well, not before it should help. What we experienced here is what we all, in some way, shape, or form, have been saying in most of our discussions about the blues, the culture, the heritage, the music. We have to heal before we can move forward, and that's all of us. You know, you you, you have African-American black folk angry at the appropriation or disproportioned um, um, success in in blues music. You have white people responding, well, my family never had slaves and this and that and the third. And I think we all are missing the point. And Mary Hurt Wright laid it down properly. She laid it down properly. We're going to have a part two of that interview very soon. Because that that's what this entire platform is about. You know, and there's, there's things that she's working on that you guys need to hear about and support. This is Jack Dapper Blues. We're here every Wednesday from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. WFDUHD2, where you going to learn them blues. You're going to stay tuned because we, we got John Tavius Willis coming up shortly. We're going to have a discussion about his latest projects. We have Dwayne Moore coming up later on. We're going to discuss Memphis Mini. We have Scott Rosenbaum coming up later on. We're going to discuss his project, Sidemen of the Blues. Documentary. Oh man, this is what it's all about, baby. This is really, really.
really, 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 really what it's all about.